You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. We have Devontae Graham's evaluation. We saved the best for last. The best, uh, maybe even the most, certainly the most surprising story that we got from Devontae from the Charlotte Hornets for with what he was able to do in his sophomore campaign. So I would deem this the best. This is the one that um, should provide the most intriguing storylines regarding his future, what he did last season. Nada, would you agree with Devontae being the guy that you might be looking most forward to or just one of the guys that certainly is the most interesting to talk about from this past season? Oh, no, he's absolutely he's absolutely the star of the show. But here's the thing, Walker. You have to stop making it look like we planned this out. This was fate. This was the <laughs> wheel of destiny. We did not content calendar this thing at all because if we did, we'd probably do a little better. And also, we might not have forgotten. We might have actually like copped to ignoring Nicholas Batum. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that and I I had forgotten that. I don't know if I put his name into the spinning wheel of names. I thought maybe the spinning wheel of names would have been almighty and powerful enough to maybe just create it on its own. It was weird. I actually think it did a great job at distributing the kind of people we needed to talk about at the appropriate time and even maybe the appropriate decision to just not talk about Nick Batum at all this season because the dude made 28 field goals. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe it was the right decision to avoid him altogether. And I don't plan on doing it, Nada. So Devontae is going to be the last player that we talk about for the Hornets who was on the roster this past season. Yeah, I mean, it works out perfectly. But at the same time, like, fate really did just want to mess with us. It toyed with us. We started out... We start. Who did we start out with again? I can't even remember who we started forget, out with. It was it was a good player to start off. It was a with. good player because it was because again PJ was like either the second or the third. I think we Terry did, was the first. Yeah, guy ter- actually, yeah, Terry was the first one because again we actually got compliments for that one. So like legitimately, we started out with Terry and then we went to PJ and then Miles was in the second week and then we got to talk about Dwayne Bacon and I made you do an entire almost an entire episode on Billy Hernan Gomez, which might have <laughs> might not have been a mistake. But uh, like for when we start talking about stuff like this, I mean, it is awesome and it is a great feeling to have per se, just to, you know, talk again. The wheel has just taught us like a great lesson. It's not necessarily about the the destination is about the journey and the friends we've made along the way. It was a fun journey to get here, but we are finally at the end of the road of the player evaluations. And I think you talk about timing it perfectly about today being the debut of the NBA postseason in an altered universe where the pandemic hits the entire world and allows the entire postseason to be played in a bubble and Orlando, Florida, 130. Yes. We will get games all day long. That's something I'm excited for. I understand people who might have to still go to work or still be focusing on their jobs rather than watching basketball all day might not like it, but I get done with uh, all of my duties really at about honestly one o'clock. So at one o'clock, the Jazz and the Nuggets, they're gearing up our first three, six uh, matchup that we're going to get. 
I'm excited for it. Postseason should be a lot of fun. I'm glad it's here. Not, I know you got to be excited. I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about this. I'm less excited that our ratings, are, our, our download numbers are going to get buried by the playoffs. But <laughs> like, again, we're going to provide you some really good Devontae Graham analysis, and yet it's going to get buried by the playoffs. I don't like oh, you that. Want, you want to talk about ratings, huh? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we will talk about ratings in the third segment. And basically... Yeah, I have a problem with the discussion on it. We'll talk about it in the third second. Let's get uh, let's get to let's get to Devontae though. That's the NBA ratings, by the way, not the podcast ratings that you want to talk about. You want to talk about the NBA product ratings, and we can get to that in the last segment of the day. We will break down Devontae Graham's year based on what he did with the numbers and what he did based off the storylines that surrounded him this season. Let's first dive into the numbers, not only traditional counting ones, but also the analytics as it pertains to basketball indexing. Uh, a new friend of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've got some cool stuff from the basketball index to get to. So let's dive into it. Some of the counting numbers that we got from him. Nada, he averaged 18.2 points per game. Mm -hmm. He averaged 7.5 assists per game, which is Mm -hmm. something that was fantastic that we got to see from him. 3.5 rebounds per game. He shot... he shot 38.2% from the field overall. He shot 37.3% from beyond the arc. He shot with inside the three-point line uh, 39.7%. His effective field goal percentage was 49 and a half. So rounding up, just getting to a 50% effective field goal percentage, his free throw percentage was also 82%. So those are some of the traditional stats that you look at with Devontae Graham. Actually started... 63, uh, excuse me, started 53 of the 63 games that he played getting into the starting lineup very early on. As soon as he came about and played with the Charlotte Hornets in that Chicago Bulls game, he played extremely well and then eventually had to be thrown into the starting lineup because he was the best player, in my opinion, for the Hornets this season. Um, You look at even some of the, let's talk about the struggles and the um, the positives of Yes, let's let's please do. Well, the first half, the guy was a legitimate uh, contender for an all-star appearance. It's yes, he absolutely was. Absolutely legitimate. The way that he was able to play, um, even with this team, not winning as many games as you would like them to as far as giving somebody an all-star nod, he was fantastic. Shooting well above 40% from three. Mm-hmm. We had gotten that Brooklyn Nets 40-point performance from him, and Doug often likes to say it's the narrative total, right? Once you get to 40, it gets people talking about your performance that night, even a little bit more than 30. But 40, that's the one where everybody has to focus on what you did, and he gave us that, especially with some clutch shots that he hit in that win against the Brooklyn Nets. So that was probably peak Devante that we got. Yes. Right, right, Like we got a great shot with him against the Knicks. We got some really good games from him. But I think peak Devante was when we reached the Brooklyn Nets performance. And that really did give him a lot of evidence as to why you should vote him in and in and, and the All-Star game. And getting so from national guys like Matt Moore was telling mm-hmm. us to vote for Devante. Bobby Marks was telling you that Devante Graham has solidly put himself into all-star consideration. Eventually he would not get there. And then eventually he would not become a most improved player of the year candidate, let alone even have a chance at winning that thing. I think the thing to do is you look at the second half stats for Devante and that's when the shooting percentages get ugly. Now, You look at, and I did this quite a bit throughout the regular season, where at at some point it became more than a slump where he was giving you a lot of games where he was not shooting the ball well from beyond the arc. We can attribute that to defenses, paying attention way more to Devontae. Go ahead. Yeah, he was the the first guy on the scouting report 
after a while, like literally after about what, 15 games is probably the first guy on the scouting report. So some of that could be factored to that. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you had to pay attention to Devante first and foremost, because he was a marksman from deep and he, he was, he was crazy hot in the first half of the season. But then after that Nets game, we were talking about him even being below 30% from three point range for a large part of the season. You got to see him go eight of 11 in that Miami heat game. So it was nice to see him turn it around and he had some decent performances shooting from beyond the arc, maybe to- more towards the last month of play. There were still some bad ones in there. It wasn't consistent as it was in the first half, but we did get to see him start to turn it around a little bit more and get back to what we were used to seeing in the first half. But the shooting percentages did go down. Nada, overall, what did you make of some of those stats that we talked about? The first half looking legitimate all-star worthy, the second half, more so the shooting percentages going down, but some on-off numbers suggesting he made the Hornets a better team. The assists were still there at seven and a half. He was getting other guys involved. Still still plenty to like yeah. about Devontae, despite the shooting percentages being so poor in the second half. The one thing I would probably point out with that is one thing we're learning is that sometimes the counting stats don't necessarily reflect what's going on on the floor. And when we start talking about stuff like this and we see that his efficiency, the numbers of what he does when he's on the floor, the again, the on off plus minus, we start looking at that and his shooting numbers not necessarily coinciding. He's enough of a threat to where his ball distribution, his floor game got better in the second half because they were taking things away from him. And then instead, he found a way to get his teammates involved a little bit better. That was something that Kemba, as well as great as he was, Kemba didn't do that to the effect that Devontae did, or at least at this point in time in their career. Second year Kemba was more of a one-on-one guy. I'm not necessarily going to get everybody else involved. I'm going to go get my shot. Devontae learned that a little bit earlier than Kemba and got his, his, his guys involved. And I think that was the big thing, that adjustment, that adjustment to film, that adjustment to, again, that was a great coaching staff adjustment because if it wasn't PJ, if it wasn't Devonte, it was going to be PJ. If it wasn't PJ, it was going to be Terry. If it wasn't Terry, it was going to be Miles. It was going to be someone. And I think that, again, and this is why it's kind of cool to have Devonte at the end because everything, he was the head of the snake, But if you starved him off, it wasn't necessarily automatically going to be a loss. Yeah, you know, Devontae was a great facilitator. And I think we even saw hints of that at the end of his rookie season where the shooting was not there. I mean, this is someone not of that last year shot below 30% from three. He shot 28% from three and only shot 34% from the field in his rookie season. And I never was crazy scared about his three-point shot. He was going to have to prove it to us, and I think he did. Mm -hmm. But... I was never too scared of it because he was such a good shooter in college. And I think he did so in such a way that it was enough of a sample size to say he was a good shooter. The only thing I was a little afraid of was moving that line back and how small he was. You know, was it going to take him some time to gain some strength to be able to hoist it up from that deep? But clearly, I think did so this year where the guy was even taking shots well beyond the three-point line. Certainly gave us some of the uh, some of the times where Eric Collins would have to tell us another area code within the city that he was playing in. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eric Collins would say that he was shooting from a different city than the one that he was playing in. And so I think he was able to showcase you some strength in that regard. And uh, I want to tell you about our sponsors before we can dive into some of the other stuff as it pertains to basketball index numbers. But first, what I want to do is tell you about DoorDash. Nada, 
DoorDash. Uh, is, DoorDash is now a client of ours, a business partner. We Wait, really? For supporting the show. And I will tell you, even before I knew that DoorDash was going to be a partner with us, I had DoorDash last night. I was able to order some food from DoorDash. And so how appropriate is it that they become a partner with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network? Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. So you need to give yourself one less thing to worry about, and you can let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. You got all these different people telling you what they want. There's something for everyone on DoorDash, and you can t- and you can continue to support your restaurants in your community safely, where there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. You can support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is really easy too. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Those are the ones they're going with, but there's so much more right now. Our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. It's all one word, LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off your uh, your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked on NBA. Again, don't forget that's code locked on NBA for $5 off of your first order with DoorDash. We appreciate them supporting the show and the network. We'll get back to Devontae Graham. Some other numbers I wanted to mention real quickly, as well as some of the storylines, the future of Devontae Graham. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective, God, you're just messing this up. I, you know, I just I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the God. noun I was going to get. A plural noun! This isn't hard! It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Another partner of the show has been Basketball Index, and we're excited to welcome them. They've been a partner, I think, for maybe the last week, a couple of weeks or so, and it's really given us um, a great tool to use as far as some of the other numbers that go beyond the traditional counting stats that you might be used to looking up on the very first array of numbers on basketball reference or, you know, any of your other stat sites. And Basketball Index does a really good job, Nada, of telling you that even if Devontae Graham showcased how good of a shooter he was in the first half, how the second half numbers were bad, as we talked about, um, you know, the shooting from beyond the arc, right? And that's something mm-hmm. that I've talked about quite a bit when not mentioning him as the most improved player of the year and, and actually talking about how hard of an evaluation he might be for the future as far as a pillar for the organization. But basketball index is actually here to tell you that he's a better shooter than even the numbers that were already pretty good overall suggested. Wait, word? Really? Word, word. Yes, I appreciate your interest in this. Yes, it absolutely is uh, true uh, according to some of the tables that they have. So to me, you look at one of the categories that they bring up um, as far as you just kind of how they divide it up into three different sections. You look at total three-point gravity, three-point gravity, uh, per 75 possessions, three-point foul rate, three-point attempt rate, three-point shot making, three-point shot creation, and perimeter shooting. Nada, he ranks at an A-minus 
or an A as far as the grade goes in every single one of those categories that I just brought up. And in the percentile, when you put him among all the other NBA players there that I think the filter is um, anybody above 63 um, or uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, there is no filter to account for. Just when you look at the overall percentile, he's at least 84% or higher, including a few 99% and 97 percentiles that are in there. So not only was he a great shooter and even a really good shooter overall, when you just look at the, the percentages that he had, but even in certain different categories, uh, this this does showcase that Devontae is here to stay. It shows yes. that what, what you saw when he was successful shooting, uh, what these numbers would indicate is that this is someone that is here to stay and continue to be a really good shooter going forward. He also got an A- minus in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. He was in the 84th percentile at 42.3%. That's really good, obviously. Um, he was a decent corner three-point shooter at 42.5, but it's not like you're looking at Devontae shooting a whole lot mm-hmm. of three-point shots. In fact, he took less than 63 attempts, as this is the filter that I was referencing. He took less than 63 attempts from the corner, but that's because he's bringing up the ball. We've seen him shoot from the top of the key um, so many times. So you're seeing him in these stats, uh, according to Basketball Index, not to indicate, no, what you saw in the first half, maybe that's more closely related to how good of a shooter you can expect him to be, which is a phenomenal sign. Like, it's not really? the second half Devontae shooter. It's the first half Devontae shooter that you can expect more from. Maybe not that crazy, but certainly more closer to that kind of area. And that's an excellent sign when trying to decide um, where Devontae ranks among the better shooters and point guards going forward in the NBA. A, a better shooting Devontae uh, is a very, is a quite honestly, is a matchup nightmare. And you think those better shooter, shooting numbers will only get better considering if, he, if his teammates improve or if they yeah. bring additional talent. So that's a really exciting sign. Like, I'm dancing in my chair right now, Walker. <laughs> I shouldn't I be dancing that. in my chair right now. And uh, I wish... I wish we had the video working for Zoom so I could see that rather than us just staring at blank screens. Oh, well, here's the thing. I'm doing that to save you. I'm uh, I'm really doing that to save you. But I'm really just kind of like, quite honestly, that makes me excited for the future of Devontae because I, as you saw in the rundown, my whole question to Devontae is, what if this does, my, my biggest narrative question is, what if this doesn't, what if we get December and January Devontae and that's what he is? Because some of this could be statistical, like, noise. And at the same point, like, if this is what Devontae is, December and January is what Devontae is normally, then, hey, that's a whole different discussion, and he might not be the shooter we think he is. Even though the statistical analysis says, yes, this is what he is right now. Well, well the thing is, not a, like, the shooting, I don't even know how crazy much I was worried about the shooting. I, I didn't, he certainly, I thought you would probably split those two first halves. I mean, he got 37% when you split both of them, obviously, on the overall. Mm-hmm. But I thought that he's, I think he's going to be hovering about around 40%, 38 39% for his career. I'm, I, I think he can be that kind of shooter. 37 is just fine, as long as it came in a more consistent way, rather than so, you know, the, the dramatic drop off that he had, then I'd be happy with 37% with the kind of shots that he was taking. Certainly the, the thing about Devonte, where he needs to get better and, and pretty urgently, like he was really bad shooting at the rim last mm-hmm. season. He needs to be able to finish at the hole and it just wasn't there for him. You know, that's the thing that he needs to work on first and foremost. It's his two point percentage. I mean, uh, under 40% from inside the arc and he was not good at the hoop. And even in the mid range, it wasn't something 
that you know that you were overly impressed with. I think Tom Haberstroh had some stat that I talked with him about. I think you know sometime in February where his mid range game or his floaters they they just weren't good. He was he was he was really he was awful. The percentages were, and so that's the kind of thing you need him to improve on. The facilitation is there. Like I believe in him as a facilitating point guard. He is going to be a constant threat to to mm-hmm. shoot from deep. He's going to continue to. I learn how to play double teams and people that are paying more attention to him. Like I, I have a feeling that's going to come right. I, I, mm-hmm. I have confidence in him there. It's just all about hitting at the rim and the mid range shot that needs to fall for him to reach a different kind of level to where maybe we kind of are talking about him in a, you know, fringe all-star type of career. If he can shoot yeah. well inside the arc, then that that's the that's peak Devonte where we get to him being a fringe all star at the point guard position. Well, I get what you're saying, and I'm going to throw another one of these random names that you seem to love to come out of my brain. And the guy <laughs> I, I think of, like again, if he's Diet Mark Price, how happy are you with his with the career? How ha- how happy, especially Diet Mark Price in this era where the through well, ball is is emphasized. Um, man, I, I didn't grow up watching Mark Price, so I don't know how his two-point percentages were, but I do know that he's one of the best shooters of all time, so I think you have to say yes. Like, if he's one of... is he's If he's diet, one of the best shooters of all time, then I'll take that. Like, I'll, I'll give... And I know Devontae, or I know Mark Price, what, isn't he credited with, like, splitting the double team at yes. the point of attack? Yes. Um, when, when, or splitting the screen, right? When anybody, you know, they, they try to hedge and they'll just split that. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me that. Like, that's cool. I'll, I'll take that on my Charlotte Hornets roster. Uh, any day of the week. And I was so either now, think I was either Walker. I was either thinking him or Robert Pack and Robert. Oh like, my uh, God, Robert Pack. Now yes. you're just, and I have no, I mean, Mark price diet. Mark price makes some sense as far as like uh, something to shoot for. But good God, Robert, Robert Pack, Pack was Robert Pack was, was, was pretty good. Actually. No, it wasn't Robert Pack. What am I talking about? I'm talking more Terrell Brandon. Okay, like, I Terrell, Terrell Brandon. Brandon. Terrell Brandon is much more like less athletic. God. Less athletic, better shooting. Terrell Brandon is something to shoot for. It is. If if my internet was any better, I would look up Robert Pack stats and make fun of you for comparing and yes, yes. for a Robert Pack out yes. of Devontae Graham. Um, let's talk about some of those things in the future real quickly before we get to our our next break. The I think that's the narrative, right? It's it's Devontae. Is he a is he a top 20 point guard in the NBA where we can already say he's going to be that? Is he a top 15? Like, where does he rank? You know, this is a guy that comes in as a second round pick that Mitch Kupchak traded up for, liked mm-hmm. enough to give up something to go get him and really just set the league on fire. Like, this was somebody that got respect enough when he was left outside of the MIP voting looking in everybody else came to his defense and said, what the hell is going on? Like other players game recognized game and Devante yeah. was getting recognized. And that was really cool to see where he is a threat, at least in the minds of all of these NBA players. And I, that's a great sign. I, I am one not aware. Maybe there are some reasons that he gave you to, to think that we don't see a whole lot of improvement for him. I don't think that's the case. I think we do get to see Devonte as this guy. Like I'm a believer, man. I'm a full on believer yeah. in Devonte being a really good point guard in the NBA. Like I'm, I'm cool with him. I, I think I'm cool with him as my starting NBA point guard on a good team. As long as we continue to get talent around him. Yeah. And I totally understand that. And the crazy part is like, you asked me, where is he in terms of point guards? I would say he's easily top 20. 
Like, I don't think you can get to point guard 17 through 20 before saying Devontae Graham's name. Because, again, I've had someone throw Colin Sexton's name as him being better. And the only thing Sexton does better is score. And I would argue he's had, again, he's had a little bit of a better roster because of the higher draft picks. I like quite honestly, I would put him in that 17 to 20 uh, Devonte in the 17 to 20 range. And I, I'm not going to say he can be a top 10 point guard in the league, because I think when we start talking about point guards, obviously the most de- it's the, probably the deepest position in the league right now. I would probably, again, if you're, you're happy, if you're the Charlotte Hornets and he's what, maybe anywhere from 10 to 15, like if he's, 10 to 15, you are happy with what you get out of him. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're putting right, like even the bigger guys that have kind of classified themselves as point guards, you know, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, like we're, we're getting down that list, but yeah, man, like I, I think bottom line, I think Devonte can be a starting point guard and a good team looking to contend to go deep into the playoffs. As long as you have other guys there defensively, he needs to get better, but you know, even the lack of size, I mean, we already dealt with an undersized point guard here in Charlotte where it worked. Yeah. He wasn't the number one guy. And I don't think anybody is mistaking that Devonte could be the number one guy in this contender, but he can be a guy like a Kimba. If you're going to be an elite shooter, if you're going to be able to facilitate very well, where even defensively you have to try to hide him in different spots. I think that can be somebody certainly offensively that can be productive enough for you to be the starting point guard on a good team. And again, you have to bring in star power. That's nothing new. You talk about that where you're just welcoming talent at any different position for this team. I'm excited, man. Like Devontae was just the best story. We we need to take a break, but he was the best story. Maybe we can continue that before you go on your NBA ratings rant. First, I want to talk about Built Bar. They are back, baby. They are tasting better than ever. They have worked on a different formula. And even though they were fantastic even beforehand, what they've done is they've made it better. What you can do is they have reset a promo code for this relaunch of the product and you get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last of going to builtbar.com and you can use promo code locked on that's all one word and you'll get ten dollars off of your next order by going to builtbar.com and typing in locked on use promo code again locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com where they have so many new flavors they've got tons of different flavors the 12 originals are still there that you grew to love the six new ones are caramel brownie cookies and cream they have lemon almond cheesecake they even have an apple almond crisp i loved the built bar it's kind of like having a dessert after you go for a workout. So again, go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on will get you $10 off at builtbar.com. More from Devontae Graham. Nada goes off on the NBA ratings discussion coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Final play, though, was pretty, pretty doo doo. You missed the shot, you missed the shot, but that was, and that good. It was reminiscent of Hornets inbounds years past. I was going to say, yeah, it was doo-doo, as you said, and it reminded of, what was the other shot that you didn't like, Doug? It's a technical Uh, term, technical basketball term. I'm a smart basketball guy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Devontae Graham does get interesting, too, as far as his contract goes this season, because now if you're the Hornets, nada, you're Mm -hmm. looking to, you're certainly looking to have a discussion with Devontae Graham as to 
whether he would agree to a contract extension. And so actually Bobby Marks had something on ESPN on ESPN insider, where he wrote specifically about the Hornets. The, the core is interesting enough for Bobby Marks to actually have some peace drop on them. And what he wrote on Devonte Graham is this, he said, quote, a year ago, it would have been shocking to claim that Graham is worthy of a four year, $50 million extension. The second round pick was coming off a rookie season in 2018, 2019, in which recorded 18 DNPs. But after averaging a team high 18.2 points per game with 53 starts, Graham is in contention for most improved player of the year, even though he's not, according to the finalists. That's me adding that on there. The point guard also ranks number seven among all point guards in defensive real plus minus, even though I don't know if that that's misleading. Anyways, Graham still has plenty of room to improve as evidenced. um, um, Excuse me, has uh, as evidenced by his 38.2% shooting and high turnover rate, but his play thus far has been encouraging. And then he said there are two factors that will decide whether there is an extension in place starting October 18th. He says one, Do the Hornets prioritize the $10 million in cap space they would lose in 2021 by signing Devontae Graham now? Or does Graham feel that he can sign for a more lucrative contract next summer? The Hornets project to have a league-high 70 mil in room next offseason, even if Mm. you include a Graham extension. So the last paragraph he would write, I know this is basically just reading. I'm having Bobby March do the work for me, but here we go. Uh, He says, yes, Graham is a restricted free agent and the Hornets have the right to match any offers. However playing the conservative card could see the Hornets dealing with a lucrative, a lucrative offer sheet from another team for a salary significantly higher than the 11 million. It would likely take to sign Graham immediately. So Nada, are you of the belief that the Hornets should try to meet with Devonte Graham and work out some kind of contract extension before he hits free agency and another team might drive up that price for the Hornets to try to keep Devonte? Quite honestly, no. Like the thing is, and I guess I am one of those that kind of figures like, quite honestly, there are ways to do this. And I guess I am not of the mind that Devonte Graham should be getting this $12 million extension again, four for 50 does sound great. And it's, and again, Devonte Graham, if offered that should sign immediately. I'm not sure that we're going to see the same Devonte Graham. So if you take the, you take that risk like, I would honestly take the risk. Like, take the risk at this point. Because worst case scenario, you're, like, you take have the, the risk cap- that he's not the Devontae and not sign him to an extension is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Just take the risk. Take the, quite honestly, I'm okay with if he is this top 10, top five point guard, then sign him to the money. See, here's the thing with me, man. I'm offering him the contract extension, not now, but right now. And I'm worried. And I don't, I mean, I don't know why if you're Devante that you would agree to that if you believe in yourself. And here's the thing, mm-hmm. Devante, I expect only to get better. Of course, as long as he continues to work on a lot of the things that we just talked about, particularly regarding what he does offensively inside the arc. But if you're Devante Graham and you're somebody that, you know, of course, you're going to bet on yourself. I think you should and get a bigger contract extension. And I'm hoping the Hornets will be able to talk in him, uh, him into staying for whatever Bobby Marks is posing there as maybe a, a 10-year, $40, 50000000 million contract, something like that. A four-year, excuse me, not 10-year. A four-year, yeah. $50 million extension. You know, that would be something I would absolutely hope Devontae would agree to if I'm the Hornets. And I'm definitely bringing him in. You're sitting on something that worked out for you as a second round pick, at least right now. And if the Hornets, let's say that Devontae Graham 
and his 50 mil contract, let's even go to, you know, 55 or 60 on a four year, right? If you're going all the way, if you're going to a four year, 50 mil, uh, $50 million contract, that's to the tune of about 13 million. You know, you're talking about basically 16 getting, you know, um, all the way up to 60. I don't think that that becomes the world's worst contract. Like to me, it, you know, it, 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 has to at least come close to that kind of value. And it's not some Nick Batum contract. And it Fair. could become a Kemba Walker type contract when people were questioning whether Kemba deserved the 12 mil that he was on. I, you know, you might, I don't even know if people are questioning whether Devontae would deserve this four year, 50 mil contract extension. Like to me, that's something that you make that bet. And then if it doesn't work out for you, $13.5 million a year, it's not the worst deal in the world. And, and and I think it I think it would work out. Like I think he actually is going to play above that kind of contract, especially in a league where you need to hold on to the good point guards that you have. Maybe there's the argument of looking for something better than Devontae, especially if you are awarded the number one overall pick, you get a LaMelo ball, even though I think those two can play off of each other for sure. Um, you know, to me, I, I'm doing this contract extension. Give me Devonte. I'm going to try to get him to this deal immediately. And I don't even think Devonte agrees to it. I think we do see him hit free agents. Now, here's the other thing: is though we've seen this before, where we saw where we thought we've signed guys. Like again, I think about the MKG contract where he showed this promise, and then we signed him to a four year deal that later became an albatross. Then you look at a guy like Cody Zeller who also signed a four-year contract because it started looking good, started turning around, and then that became an albatross, and you couldn't trade that one either. Yeah, I would I would disagree about the albatross with Cody. Like, they certainly guessed wrong with MKG, but also the MKG contract wasn't so damn untradeable. Like, the ones that kill you, you know, Nick Batum is one of the worst contracts in the league. And yeah, MK, look, MKG's contract was bad. I'm not trying to get it twisted. But also, it was enough for me to where like, okay, I get taking that kind of risk, especially for a team that's apparently, you know, remember when MKG played those seven games, you know, it was somebody that was really important to that team. And we were all talking about exactly, you know, how important he was to that roster. And, 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 you know, the 2016 cap spike hits, and we all know what happens there. Yeah. But to me, Devonte one would be making less than that, I believe in this he scenario. Would. And then it would be, you know, Devonte at least has shown you something where he already was even considered close to being an all-star. You know, I, I don't think the Cody contract was all that much of an albatross. I don't think Marvin's was all that bad of an albatross. It's when you get all of those guys on that kind of deal. But Devonte has a higher ceiling than any of those guys that we're talking about right now, in my opinion. Well, here, the thing is, these things change. Like, that's the, I guess that's my issue with it. These things always change. We all thought MKG was on a good contract until the league changed and became more of a distant shooting league. It, it, we all thought that Cody was going to be a much better contract until the league changed. Like all these things, like the one constant, and I hate to sound like Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, but <laughs> like, it, again, these things change. So at some point, like I'm okay with, let's see where this re- next revolution of basketball tends to go. Because once we start going there, then, Hey, cool, let's figure it out. But until then, like I'm okay with waiting and I'm okay if Devontae says, no, I'm going to bet on myself. Because you know what? If he shows up and performs and shows that he is a cornerstone, then cool. We can do that. 
I'm and we can sign con- that to, for a little bit more money. I'm a little confused as to why Ian Malcolm made an appearance. Were you going with the nature finds a way? Yes, it is. Uh, okay, yes, it is. Thank you. Yes, I, didn't, is. I wanted to make sure that we could inform the listeners as to why you were mentioning Ian Malcolm there. But you're going, ah, nature, it finds a way. Yeah, I, wanted, I don't know if that's okay. That's fine. I just wanted to make sure I was clear on that. Uh, real quickly, Nod, I know you wanted to rant on the discussion surrounding the NBA ratings. What, uh, what has you so fiery about the discussion surrounding the NBA ratings? All right. So, um, I, again, if you follow the NBA, you discuss the NBA at any given point, you always hear about the NBA ratings and quite honestly, like if we're honest, like, like Walker, how many times have you heard like the don't do this because the NBA ratings are, again, it's going to hurt the ratings and don't act a certain way. Don't be a certain way. And it's going to hurt the, uh, the NBA ratings because quite honestly, um, Ethan Strauss of The Athletic put out an article titled Why the NBA Has a Serious Viewership Problem that, he need, that, that It Needs to Fix. And I would be okay with this article for about 35% of it because, again, there are things that are legitimately wrong. But apparently there is a 45% drop in the ratings, and then that 45% drop caused Ian, again, not Ian Malcolm, Ethan, I'm sorry, um, to drop to basically go to the place that most NBA ratings decisions tend to go. And that's a fairly coded racist coded racism point. And like, again, there are points to this where I can understand that the product may is not equaling what you may see ratings wise, primarily the fact that you're losing half of your ABC ratings like your big ABC games, you're not getting what you used to get with the Heatles. I get that point. And again, Ethan makes a great point there. But the problem is when you start looking historically, and this is something that I have to thank Jay Tyler Conway of uh, Bleacher Report for pointing this out. And you start seeing the national ratings and they're hovering around 2.2 million viewers per game. And they're averaging that. And at some point, like literally, the only time that they were really above 2.2 were the NBA Heatles, were the Miami Heatles of LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. At some point, we just have to accept that not everybody likes basketball like that. And there are inherent difficulties in marketing a black sport, a primarily black, visible, visibly black sport. And I wish that when we start, had these discussions about NBA ratings... I wish we could start factoring race into this because if we don't, we do everybody a massive disservice, quite honestly. All right. We'll end it on that note. I won't. Yeah. I'll let you take the spotlight there. Um, I know you're going off the Ethan Strauss article. The only things that I have here to go off of it's, I know that you've talked about, I know the bubble viewership has been lower than the NBA's pre COVID averages in this ratings disaster of a season. As he writes with the NBA's most watched game of last week, trailing golf, NASCAR, and wrestling this despite an incredible run of exciting games in Orlando so far the NBA built it but very few came yeah ratings discussion on Twitter is always just eye roll you know I mean mm-hmm. with with a whole bunch of things as to why people bring up something you mentioned I think before I guess I won't end the show here but I just as, as what you were talking about as far as you know why you are angry about all of this like to me when people do bring up that they're not watching the nba because of what they did in china but then try to say that they're going to protest not watch or protest watching the nba because of the black lives matter movement it being on the court it being very much in your face and kneeling before the national anthem you know those people 
only care to bring up China in order to combat your Black Lives Matter emphasis. And that's the problem that we have where, oh, look, see, the NBA is doing all of this and they're hypocritical. That's why the ratings are getting killed. No, it's not. It's because of what you said. It's because there might just not be as much interest in basketball um, as to maybe when there once was with a, a, a seismic event in the association, like when we were talking about that trio in Miami. More importantly, at this point now, and, and this is the thing, like, why are we like taking stock of ratings during a pandemic? And I think that's the thing that drives me the, the craziest is that we're taking stock of NBA ratings when maybe there might be 25 guys that care tops about what the ratings are. And we're, and again, you're putting this out on a national piece. And quite honestly, like if the, and again, if we were one of those 25 guys, Walker, then, hey, we'd be a lot richer and we'd probably be doing this on a much bigger platform. But, like, the, the problem is with when we start talking about this is no one cares and we're taking stock of stuff in, during a pandemic. And it all feels gross. It all feels gross because it all feels like you're trying to take shots at the NBA, a visibly black league, doing stuff for Black Lives Matter. And again, you're doing it the coward's way out, quite honestly. All right, that wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Also, DoorDash, now a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network family. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Going to try to get a couple of guests this week, including hopefully an appearance from um, Doug Branson, also a family member, even though he's kind of the crazy cousin, the crazy uncle, I guess, that you invite every once in a while. Uh, I do think that it is time for him to appear on the show. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.